Welcome to the Two Touch Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Douglas, and as always, I'm joined by Tim Bones Bouts. Today, we're recapping the results from Match Week 13. A huge win for Liverpool over Tottenham to take sole possession of the top of the table, major upset loss for Chelsea, more drop points for Manchester City, and Arsenal shooting themselves in the foot once again. We then sign off with our picks for Match Week 14. This is Episode 9. Let's get started. Bones, buddy. What's up? Hanging, Trev. Hanging. You know, a week is better with midweek soccer. So what about you, bud? Uh, my heart rate's now down from watching the end of that uh, United match. It, it definitely seems to be a roller coaster of emotions for you. Yeah, well, you know, they uh, they don't ever like to have just a nice, easy boring match they have to make it as stressful as possible usually by conceding a goal within the first five minutes so but i'm back i'm okay now a little bit of a beer helped out just calm my nerves a bit so um i think we're ready to roll for this episode let's do it we're recapping match week 13 here there's definitely some very interesting talking points considering that a lot of the quote title contenders drop points this week and we had the heavyweight match between the two league leaders in Liverpool and Tottenham. So we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to jump right into it. First match we want to talk about, first upset of the midweek fixtures, Wolves versus Chelsea. The result, 2-1 to Wolves. Summary of the match, goal from Giroud. He's on fire in the 49th minute. It was a nice side volley in the box, close range, great connection. He was near post, so he didn't have much to work with. So he kind of just figured to get as much power on as possible. Goalie got hands to it, kind of bottled it, goal went in. And then at that point, you kind of thought, okay, this is all Chelsea. Wolves haven't been able to score a goal. Wrong. Goal from Podence in the 66th minute. And the best part about it was an assist from Mr. Owen Odasawi. But if you don't know who he is, American, I think he's 19, and this was his first Premier League appearance. So big time impression. He came in at halftime. Um, so not a bad start to his Wolves career. Then, so the match is tied 1-1, going late into the match, 95th minute, Counterattack by Wolves. They had been under pressure nonstop by Chelsea. Pedro Neto brings the ball out wide to the left, then crushes it. Bottom right corner of the goal. Could have been saved. I don't know. It was a great shot. I don't really fault Mendy that much, but what it does is it caps off a huge Wolves upset over Chelsea. Chelsea, one of the title favorites. Doesn't look so good now. Bones, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so first of all, I I do think Rui Patricio should have had that Olivier Giroud shot. I thought it's a little close to his body. It was moving, but you know, if it hits you that close to your body in your hands, you gotta do a little bit better than that. Other than that, 
there wasn't a ton from Chelsea going forward, which is concerning. Maybe it's because they were missing Hakeem Zayek on the left or on the right and his distribution, but they just didn't look all that dangerous. Although Christian Pulisic did, I think he probably looked the most deadly. Didn't oh, seem like Timo Werner was doing much. Once again, I'm going to rag on Thiago Silva. I thought he made a couple of costly errors that it just looked like he never really got into the flow of the game. Aside from that, two points about Wolves. One, I thought Fabio Silva, their record signing, and I think he's 18. Yeah, he's 18. Uh, another Portuguese. <laughs> not a shock, not a shock. Yeah, no. He looked lively. I thought he he played pretty well. He hasn't gotten on the score sheet for Wolves yet, but you could see his you could see his inexperience a couple of times. Like he yeah. made, I mean, he made one run and he was like three three four yards offsides. I was just like, "What are you yeah. doing? Like, what, yeah, you got to yeah. time that a little bit better." But you, you got to think that that's going to happen. Yeah, but it's you experience. can see the talent and the reason, other than being Portuguese, the reason why. Uh, Nuno brought him in so mm-hmm. I, it, that should be uh, he should be a player to to look forward to mm-hmm. and as you pointed out Ono would have so really interesting prospect for the U.S. men's national team he was in the uh, European base camp I think he got only one cap but looked relatively good in camp what's his been what's playing I, a couple he, of cup he, matches what was that a, He's a midfielder, right? So what's his yeah. where in the midfield is his best like position? So it's interesting. He from from the match the other day, he looked like a pretty solid box to box midfielder. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how he slots in. I think he's going to have to play second fiddle to do that midfielder pairing of McKenney and, and Tyler Adams. Yeah. But I mean he's a big body that yeah, he's huge. Yeah, clearly I mean he he kind of prances around like Paul Pogba, and so he doesn't appear to be super quick, but okay. I think he's a relatively deceptive, but he's good in the air. So that's something that the U.S., they have lacked for quite some time. So certainly somebody to have on the bench, if not in the starting 11. Got it. Yeah, so to hit on some points that you made earlier, Chelsea didn't look that great going forward, and it, it kind of showed in all the, the stats. So. Um... The possession was pretty even. It was in favor of Chelsea with 55%, but, you know, that's it's very even. And also the shots were pretty even for both teams, which, I mean, it there were a low shot count for Chelsea, 13 shots, three on goal, which is not good considering who they have. And uh, Wolves, it was a tick up from what they've been seeing with 12 shots and four shots on on goal. So overall, the match was very even. I think the the biggest difference is that Wolves just took advantage of, of the, the few opportunities they had. I mean, they haven't been able to score goals. Yeah. They managed to, to slot two away there. Well, and you and you consider that they didn't start Adama Traore, who in the in years past has been their best winger. Obviously, he's got incredible speed and strength. Hasn't really gotten on the scoreboard much other than providing some assists off of crosses. Mm-hmm. But once he got into the game, it, it seemed like the dynamic drastically changed. 
And, you know, you wonder why he didn't start from the, from the onset. But yeah, because at, at the very least, you have to respect his speed, right? Like, this yeah. guy is a freak of nature. I don't know if he's the most gifted with the ball at his feet, but, man, he'll blow right past you if you, if you hesitate. And, uh, you know, for, for a team that's struggling to score, just having someone that big and that strong to hold up play, hold up the ball and hold up play and, and give the defense a little bit of a rest and from there begin to, you know, work the field. I've got to think that that's an advantage, but, you know, hopefully for them, Raul Jimenez comes back sooner rather than later, maybe after the break. I don't know how probable that. Probable yeah, I don't know. Is. There's been no timetable, which tells me it's probably going to be a lot longer than that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough. With that said, as I as I mentioned, I think Fabio Silva is is coming into his own. And I think he is a great young prospect. But with players like that, and and you know certainly taking Ryan Ryan Brewster as an example from Sheffield, you you need to give younger players a lot more time to develop and and find their scoring touch. Yeah, this will be good for him long term. I don't know if they'll pay dividends for Wolves in the short term, but long term this is going to be super useful. I mean, he's going to develop much quicker than he was going to otherwise with him and as in the team. Mm-hmm. So, what's interesting, we we've kind of hammered this home in recent episodes, but with spending, you know, 200 million in the off season, over 200 million, mainly allocated towards their attacking group. Their defense has been fantastic. I mean, yes, they gave up two goals, but they were I mean, they were probably low percentage opportunities for Wolves and they just happened to convert and that's just how it falls sometimes in this sport, but they can't score. Like Yeah. It's it's insane. They're relying on Giroud and I mean, as much as I love praising Giroud for the season he's having and even last year with coming back from lockdown if and just to a, get under my skin and just to get under your skin if i mean how old is he like 32 33 34 I think he's he, 34 so if he's your best goal scorer when you just paid i don't know probably you probably spent spent 120 million on attacking players when your attacking players last year were very productive and now you can't score goals like what's going on here i mean we have mentioned that it could be just a chemistry thing. And then, you know, one of these days it's just going to click and then it's going to be as terrifying as you think, like we all kind of expected going to the season. Or do you think that it's more than just chemistry? Like there's, there's something off here. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I do think that it, it, it's definitely a chemistry, a chemistry issue, uh, particularly because you think about having Kai Havertz and Mason Mount playing as a kind of a one, two central midfield pairing. They didn't look comfortable together. Then they didn't look comfortable distributing to Timo Werner out wide rather than up top. And then, you know, I think that Christian Pulisic and Olivier Giroud actually have relatively good chemistry with uh, their crossing play and then crossing into Giroud for a quick header. It appeared as though that worked. Obviously, it wasn't on frame, but... Other than that, I, I just don't know what the issue could be because it's certainly not a talent issue. Yeah. So that, that brings up another point. So Timo Werner has been wasteful. We know that we, we he's missed a bunch of sitters. But at least with him, you say like, okay, well, he's getting into the right position to even have the opportunities to score these goals. So he just needs to make that final move. And even with that being said, he has a fair amount of goals and assists for Chelsea already this year. Yeah. So 
I would, as a, if I were a Chelsea fan, I would, I would be less concerned about Werner. I would, you know, you can see that maybe it's just a confidence thing. And once that changes, like he's going to be filling up the stat sheet. The bigger question mark is Kai Havertz. And it's just, he seems lost when he's on the pitch. And, and another thing I'm, I've been thinking about watching him at Leverkusen last year, like, I mean, he was a superstar talent on a team that lacked talent and he carried the team and they deployed him in a lot of different positions. And so far for Chelsea, you see him kind of in the midfield, you see him as a 10, you see him on the right side. None of it's been productive. What do you think is his best position? That that's tough. I, I think, I think it's probably as a number 10 with that said, I personally believe that a number 10 should really be the voice of, of the attacking force. I think that part of what Kai Havertz has come under scrutiny for in the past, not so much at Leverkusen, but certainly for the German national team, and then now, he kind of has a, a poor disposition, almost as if he just doesn't care. He kind of sloughs around. It's always grousing. It's almost what what a lot of speculation was about why Leroy Sané was omitted from the 2018 German national team World Cup roster. He just looks like he doesn't care. Hmm. And that's not what you want from a person in that role. I, I think Frank Lampard needs to light a fire under his ass to, to get him going. But I, I do think that him playing as more of a facilitator and driving that offensive force is his is his strength because he's a good distributor and he's good going forward. Yeah. Final point of this I'd like to make is that this team that spent over two hundred million on their players in the offseason, they're averaging one point six nine points per match. To put it in perspective, they're title contenders, not favorites obviously, but title contenders. Manchester United is averaging 1.82 per match. And they're, we should fire our manager. You know, they're trash. They shouldn't have been in Champions League. So I think people need to start opening their eyes to this Chelsea team that is going to be good, but they're not contenders this year. But it's a good segue because the next match has two contenders in it. And I was actually pretty surprised by this result. Liverpool versus Tottenham. Liverpool home at Anfield. Result of the match was 2-1. Salah got the score going, as you'd expect, in the 26th minute. Not a normal Salah goal. He's a, he's a clinical finisher, makes everything look easy. But this one, he got a lot of luck on his side. Kind of just swung at the ball, clipped the heel of a defender. Giant looping ball, just squeezed inside the post. Well, now it hit off the post, too. Uh, just, you know, just a little scrape along the post, get right in there. Yep, fortunate start for Liverpool. Not the spot that Tottenham wants to be in because, you know, they like to just kind of sit back and, and uh, hit on the counter. That lit a, lit a fire under their ass, so it didn't take very long. So Salah scored in the 26th, and then in the 33rd minute, Tottenham answered with a classic Son score on a on a counterattack. It's, it's crazy when Son is, you know, he, when he's on that counter and – you give him five feet of space, he's he's going to score the goal. So 1-1, going in to the final minutes of the match. And of all people, 
Bobby Firmino scores a goal for Liverpool. We don't say that often. A banger of a header, 90th minute, wins it for Liverpool. It was pretty dramatic. Bones, how do you feel? It'll definitely sting for Spurs that they didn't come away with at least a point. So I think they played to Mourinho's plan to a T. That first goal by Mo Salah was, I just like to say, horseshit. So, you know, I think you'll start to hear, and if you haven't heard Mourinho bitching and moaning, and I, I think he came out today and said, the best team didn't win yesterday. So I classic Mourinho, mm-hmm. poor did losing. You see, did you see the exchange? He said that to oh, Klopp. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Klopp, yeah, yeah. like, oh, Klopp with that smile on his face. I don't know how he got a a, a face full of teeth like that, but those <laughs> things are horse teeth. Yeah, they are choppers, dude. He got you think they're dentures. S- I mean, if they were straight, I would say yes, but there are like all sorts of crazy lines going on with that. But like, it looks like they just surgically transplanted a horse mouth right onto his his teeth, and then he grinds them. Like yeah. when he they gets, uh, I don't know, I don't know what he does, but yeah, those are some I don't know. ridiculous. His uh, his dentist must be caking, absolutely caking. So. I, you know, obviously a, a weird exchange at the end of the match, but I think Liverpool, they were certainly putting a lot of pressure on on Spurs. They were putting things on goal or, you know, they were at least getting shots off. I think Tottenham was doing, was parking the bus exactly, just getting behind the ball exactly like Mourinho wanted them to do. I think he was playing for the, the draw. I don't think he had aspirations in making a real push. It was interesting to see Deli Alley actually make a return. I know he returned in in the champ in Champions League, but I I don't know why he's playing. It might as well <laughs> just wait until January to ship him out. I mean that's why Liverpool won. They subbed on Deli Alley. He is such ass. It it's incredible. <laughs> I don't know. He probably didn't have any any sort of impact on that goal for Bobby Firmino, but it's somehow Deli Alley's fault. It's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, I think most Spurs fans would too. The thing that frustrates me about this match is that I I think Liverpool got insanely lucky to win it, but at the same time, I feel like they deserve to win, which doesn't really make sense. But my but, thought but process the- hold on, my thought process is Mourinho screwed this one up because I don't know if his players decide to sit back all that time or I would assume that's what Mourinho tells them to do or trains them to do because it happens every single match. But you can see it. When when they went down, they turned it on and they yeah. were just dominating them. They are so dangerous. If they don't sit back and just play like a regular team and play attacking football, they are the best team in the league. It's It's mind-boggling why they sit back. Then even in the last like five minutes of the match after Liverpool went ahead, like that last five minutes was an onslaught of Tottenham. Like they can, they could have blown out Liverpool. I think, I think they could have actually won this easily, but because of what they do and sit back and just try to honestly, just even at the very least get a point, it's going to kill them in the end. I mean, I don't know. That's what it was so frustrating. And you'd have to assume that that's what Mourinho is asking them to do. When, 
Mourinho has done this in the past. It's kind of been his strategy for a while, but it, it usually centers around him not having, not having a ton of depth going forward. And you gave me shit for saying that they've got a lot of depth, but you look at their bench and you think where, well, first of all, Gareth Bale was out sick. Apparently, I, I don't know how true that is. Maybe he was just playing golf, but you think about the other players that they have picked up in the past or picked up this off season, like Lamella or Getson Fernandez. They brought Lucas Moron later on, or Carlos Vinicius. I, where are those attacking players? And if, if I mean he he tried to move worlds to get get to Fernandez and Carlos Vinicius there what's going on maybe I I haven't done a ton of research maybe they're hurt but no no so so I think it's kind of become clear what what Vinicius role is and it's spelling Harry Kane in the cup matches that are sort of like gimme matches that Tottenham should just kind of run away with so the last Europa League match they had uh, Vinicius played and and I, I don't I don't actually think depth was the question here. Like it, it's not like they they didn't need to bring on more attacking players. They just needed to play attacking football, which they weren't doing for ninety percent of this. That's the problem. Like I think that they could have if they switched their mentality from being like from parking the bus to actually attacking with Song, Kane, Burwine, or or Lucas Moore, who eventually came in, they would have been fine. They would have yeah, scored. but they're not doing it from the midfield either because they've got Ndombele and Sissoko. So they're they're using two deeper lying midfielders there. If they had a midfielder that could facilitate an attack, maybe that would be slightly different. I mean, that's what Los Celso is supposed to be, which I don't, I don't really rate him. But I, I, yeah, I don't. I, I don't, think I don't like it's Los not Celso. That, no, I don't either. But I I don't see like you can see what. Kane, Kane's doing a lot of that heavy lifting, right? By coming back, receiving, and distrib- distributing. So I don't know if you even... I mean, the proof is there. They went down by a goal. Then they started playing completely different. And it only took them seven minutes to, to tie it up. And then they went back to how they were playing. Then they got scored on. And then the last five minutes of the match was all Tottenham. I, it's, not, it's not a personnel thing for me, I don't think it is. At least their quality, because of Liverpool's injuries is much better. So, I don't know. I think it's more of a tactical thing. Tactic, yeah. Yeah. I would say this. So, in my opinion, Liverpool, I don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction, but they should be the clear favorites now because of what they've done with the injuries that they've had, the results that they've they've been able to pull off. And they have a lot of the tougher matches on their schedule kind of under their belt already. They have results. They've, they've, won or drawn against every quote-unquote title contender already this year. And they're about to get to the January window. I don't know if they actually have any money to spend. I have, I think probably not because of the the song and dance that went on with Tiago and how long it took for them to actually get the money together to bring him in. But if they can bring any sort of reinforcement, in, especially in the center-back role, they're going to be able to grind this out. It's going to be close. It's going to come down to the wire, but they're going to win the league again. I, I think the yeah. only place that they fall short in is that for someone who's complaining so much about the schedule and how many subs, Klopp is not managing his team well at all. They didn't sub a single person in this match. Yeah. And yeah. 
they lost Jota for another six weeks because he played him in a Champions League match that meant nothing. Like, that's not man management. Like, that meant nothing, and Jota is one of your most productive players so far this season, and you're already very nervous about losing players. You've already lost some of your best players. Why would you play him in that match? Yeah, it didn't make much sense. And I, But I've got to say that I agree. I think that at this point, if they've been able to maintain their form through everything that they've gone gone through with injuries i i don't know how they 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 don't win the win the league and if they do that despite what you just said about game management man management if they do win it's all going to come down to Klopp. i personally think as the homer that Hansi Flick should have won, and FIFA rank FIFA best. Uh, Spit it out. Start over. FIFA best rankings came out today, or the awards. Yep. Hansi Flick came in second to Jurgen Klopp for best manager. I don't. I don't agree with that at all. And that's that's not Nor me do being. I. That's that's, and it's not you being a homer, and it's not me being anti Liverpool. The thing for I don't know if the listeners are strictly Premier League fans or, or what their level of knowledge is of the Bundesliga. But you had to have watched some of the Champions League last year. But what Hansi Flick did with that team, and it's going to be really hard to prevent Bones from going on a massive rant about this, is just what he did was remarkable. He basically didn't lose a match, dominated the Bundesliga, and then went on to absolutely eviscerate the entire competition in Champions League. Like, made quality teams look awful and he resurrected the careers of Jerome Boateng Tomas Muller and made everybody else on the pitch more efficient yeah I mean it, it was absolutely insane and that's why I think that Hansi Flick should have won coach of the year which he did through UEFA uh earlier in the year with that said if Jurgen Klopp wins the league this year. He should 100% win win it again. Yep. All right, so with that being said, Liverpool's sitting pretty. Big win over Tottenham. So now we're going to look into one of the, well, what we thought was a potential competitor. Liverpool's looking like they're, they're sort of starting to flex their dominance, especially after the result of Manchester City versus West Brom. City were heavy favorites at home against a team that is fighting relegation. The result, 1-1. Summary of the match, Gundogan got the goal scoring going in the 30th minute. However, just 13 minutes later, a, well, I guess it was a Ruben Diaz own goal. That's how they ruled it. But really what it was was a sort of like a free kick. Ball spurted straight up in the air inside the box. I don't recall which player from West Brom sort of turned, got a got a foot on it, hit, uh, struck the ball. Apparently it was going to go wide, but it's hard to tell. Uh, deflected off, Ruben Diaz went in. And then they managed to hold on. Uh, so, yeah, huge, huge result for West Brom. As I mentioned, fighting relegation and, and City just dropping more points, which is, is brutal for them. Uh, after they dropped points against United, which, you know, 
that's not that big of a deal, I guess, especially at Old Trafford. But to do it at against West Brom in in while at home is just oof. And it, it's I would say it's actually like just very un you know it's unlucky. I mean they the fa- <laughs> the fact that they drew is just insane considering the dominance on possession and opportunities. But that's just how this game goes sometimes. Yeah, I I wouldn't say that they 100% deserve to win. I think that particularly in the last 20 minutes, they were City was really pressing West Brom's goal. Sam Johnstone came out with some incredible saves, was yep. just playing out of his mind. But City wasn't doing anything up to that point. There was no sense of urgency. With a team like West Brom, they should just be torching them left, right, and center. But especially, they didn't do anything. Especially because West Brom is one of the few bottom half teams that do not park the bus. They do yeah. not go with a low block. They they show up to a match and they attack you, which I a lot of respect for that. Um, but because of that, they should be more vulnerable, especially to a team like City. And exactly scoring one goal is not acceptable. No, and... The most notable thing of this match, actually, is that Slavon Bilic, the manager of West Brom, despite getting a result that no one believed could, no one believed was possible, got sacked immediately after the match. And in comes big Sam Alderdice, who is known for helping bomb the league teams avoid relegation. I think this was a terrible move. I think Slavon Bilic, given that he played for West Brom, or actually, no, maybe he played for West Ham. I can't remember. Regardless, he appeared to be the guy to help them out of relegation. I mean, he brought them back to the Premier League. I don't know why they got rid of him, particularly after their best result. You were saying that it was because Sheffield was sniffing around at at Sam Allardyce. Well, well, I don't know if Sheffield, but I wonder if because I mean there are Sheffield's clear bottom, but there are a lot of teams flirting with the line of relegation, and who knows? Maybe they got word that other teams are starting to think about, hey, maybe when do we need to pull pull the uh, the Sam Allardyce string and and bring him in? So, um, such a the only thing that character. makes sense. That's the only thing that makes sense, right? Like. They haven't been playing poorly. Like every, I mean, their points are a representation of how they've been, but they're not far off from getting out of the relegation zone. They play kind of an attractive style, meaning they don't just sit back and absorb pressure. They they go for the win, and they have been in a lot of these matches. So yeah, for them to pull pull the rug out from underneath Billage so early is it is definitely strange. So. And they, I mean, they clearly had Big Sam lined up immediately, like within hours they, they announced him. So, yeah. yeah, it's strange. It seems a little premature, but it might be genius in the end. Who knows? So, one thing I'd like to point out, which is kind of a weird spin zone for, um, for City, you know, this is one of their darker days. Just drop points, trying desperately to get back into the uh, title contention. Honestly, this season with how un- unpredictable it's been, we still have a good shot of getting back into it, but especially on this topic, Pep gets so much shit for spending so much money on their defense and always having a bad defense, having a bad defense, especially last season. Whew. Yeah. But I think he finally cracked the code mainly 
Also, it's kind of weird I'm bringing this up in this game because he got <laughs> he got an own goal attributed to him. But when Ruben Diaz plays, this defense is lights out. So they've only there's been one match where they were just awful defensively this year, and that was against Leicester. They gave up five goals. Ruben Diaz didn't play. Outside of that, they've only given up two goals once all season, and that was to Tottenham. Altogether, they've played, let's see, what is it? In 12 matches in the Premier League, they've given up 12 goals. Five of them were in a single match. That's a pretty insane record, and that's with <laughs> that's pretty much only when Ruben Diaz is playing. Yeah, but who is his best pair? I mean... I guess John Stones has probably played the best that he's ever played in his Yes, he's been actually career. he's actually been playing phenomenally. But yeah, then you've got Emmerich Laporte, Nathaniel or Nathan Ake played in the midweek with Ruben Yeah, so Diaz. that's the thing. They they started the season playing Ake instead of Ruben Diaz. And I, I will also go on record and say I have never thought that Ake was particularly good. That's I, fine. I, this I, isn't I about Ake. Ruben Diaz is their savior, I think, <laughs> when it comes to defense. If you watch the matches, I heard this regarding Harry Maguire not too long ago. When? From who? From you. I didn't. Oh, when you're when making United things up. Got Harry you're Maguire. Don't you don't said, make up oh this my bullshit. God, our defense is going to be so airtight. Well, here two things. You're making up shit. Second, his first season, actually, we were the second best defensive team in the league. So either way you want to spin it, you're wrong. Ruben Diaz, you can't deny this. I mean, what I just told, I laid out actual stats. And City have played a lot of the top teams so far. The thing is, they're not scoring goals. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's an odd year, I will say. All right, well, I think that conversation fizzled out. Tough loss, yeah, well, not lost, but... Myself. If, Tough, tough draw for City. They'll uh, obviously look to bounce back. They got to figure it out offensively though, because their defense is good. All right, and the next match we want to highlight, make it quick, quick and hopefully somewhat painless for the Arsenal contingent. But if you're also if you're a Southampton fan, you should be a little disappointed in yourselves. Arsenal versus Southampton, result one one. Bones and I fully expect Southampton to just run over Arsenal and. Really, I thought it was a pretty even match. The ex-gunner that's on loan from Everton, Theo Walcott, got the scoring started for Southampton against his former team. That stings. 18th minute. Everything was flying for Southampton. And he celebrated wildly, which for non-soccer fans, it's generally when a former player of a team scores against that team, he usually raises his hands, doesn't celebrate. Theo Walcott was going wild. Yeah, all you non-soccer fans that are listening to a soccer podcast. Moving on. <laughs> Whatever, man. Aubameyang finally scored in the opposition net. Woo! 52nd minute, ties it up. It's pretty neat. Um, then, you know, shortly after that, Arsenal was starting to become a theme of Arsenal. When their players got a red card, Gabriel, <laughs> the new, newly purchased. I was I was actually literally about to text you. 
yeah, I, I think Gabrielle is actually pretty legit. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, managed to get two yellow cards in the second half. Pretty good. Not bad. Efficiency, right? Like from the f- within minutes of each other. It was nuts. Yeah, yeah. So whew, it's tough. Uh, Arsenal keeps shooting themselves in the foot. I honestly think they played well. I mean, Southampton, we, we've started to come around on it that they're a good team. I mean, they're in third place in the league right now. Uh, I don't think that lasts, but they're a quality team. Arsenal, I thought, looked at a minimum just as good as them. So this is tough, you know. They and and uh, they almost stole it at the end, right? They um, hit the crossbar. What's the yeah. guy? It's holding, holding, hit the crossbar in, in the w- dying minutes. A wild header. Yeah. But... Uh, so I don't know. I mean, Arsenal is in a dark place. I would say one other bright spot besides Aubameyang finally scoring is Saka. He's a baller. I mean, Aubameyang scored the goal, but all the heavy lifting was on Saka. He dribbled up the left side, went through three defenders, laid it off to someone else who laid it off to Aubameyang. Though that part was easy for for those guys, but Saka did all the heavy lifting. It was impressive. I would definitely recommend going back and looking at that goal. All right, so quick update on the rest of the results. Leeds beat Newcastle 5-2. This was a close match. It was back and forth match until the last 15 minutes where Leeds poured on three goals. Everton won versus Leicester, 2-0. Another big win for Everton, despite not having Hamas in the lineup. Fulham and Brighton drew. West Ham, Crystal Palace drew. The only note I'd make from this match is that Hilaire scored a peach of a goal, a banger of a bicycle kick. Look it up. Check the highlight. 100% worth it. Definitely, I would say, probably the goal of the year so far. No, what's interesting, too, is Hilaire and Hilaire just declared for um, the Ivory Coast for his international allegiance. And then, obviously, Zaha, uh, who had... A couple caps friendlies with England uh, when he was with United, actually. Um, he's now playing for Ivory Coast as well. I think that this could be the, the the mark of the resurgence of the Ivory Coast back when they had the Torres, DDA, Drogba. Um, it'll be interesting. That'd be cool. Sheffield versus Manchester United. Result was 3-2. Dean Henderson just bottled. I don't even know what he did. He just basically gave the ball to his former teammates. I think he was just trying to give him a gift. Yeah. Um, he's just being a nice guy. And then uh, also they they uh, scored a second late into uh, the match that got my blood pressure way up. But Manchester United managed to hold on. United is just the third team in history to win 10 consecutive road games. So. God, it's pretty neat, but they also lose at home pretty much every match, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Aston Villa versus Burnley, they drew. This was an interesting one because Villa had 27 shots, but they couldn't hit a broadside of a barn. All right, those were match week 13 reviews. We're going to move on to our match 14 picks. However, before we do that, let's take a quick break. If you're still listening, which you probably are, because that would make sense. <laughs> Could you do us a huge favor? Subscribe. 
If you're listening on Apple, give us a five-star rating. If on Spotify, give us a follow. We'd really appreciate it. And if you can give us a review and tell us what you like or dislike about it, that would also go a long way because we're trying to make this better. We want you guys to enjoy the content we're producing. We're working hard and we just need feedback. Before we jump into the next set of games, we're going to do another trivia question. The trivia question for this episode is the record for the most goal contributions, so goals and assists in a single Premier League season is held by Thierry Henry in his 2002-2003 campaign. How many goal contributions did he have? If you're an Arsenal fan... I thought you were going to give a a layup for this one. This is a layup. This is like the record. I don't usually read record books for Uh, bedtime reading. Well, if any Arsenal fans are uh, listening... They should be pretty happy right now. This is probably their win of the week. JB, if you're listening, you should be able to get this. All right. So before we get into our picks, I just want to give a quick update on where or what the table looks like. Taking the sole spot at the top of the table is Liverpool after de- defeating Coley Tottenham. Liverpool has 28 points. Tottenham drops to second in the league, maintaining just 25 points. Sitting in third... Climbed up a spot despite drawing is Southampton with 24 points. That almost feels like drop points for Southampton. Sorry, Arsenal fans. Leicester, even with Southampton, or excuse me, Leicester are even with Southampton on points, but they dropped a fourth due to, I believe, goal differential or maybe goals four, actually. Then Everton and Manchester United are just outside the top four with 23 points apiece. Uh, they're sitting fifth and sixth, respectively. Chelsea in seventh with 22 points. Of those three teams, United still have a game in hand. If they were to win, they would have sole possession of second. So for me, I'm pretty excited. However, they're about to go through a really rough stretch of matches. So we'll see where they really deserve to be. Probably winning the league, but we'll see. All right bottom of the table we got Sheffield still hanging on there almost pulled off a huge upset today to get a point but they didn't so they still have one point stranglehold on the bottom bottom spot West Brom still sits in 19th but earning a point off City this past week is huge they sit with seven points Fulham had another draw but still in 18 so it's pretty tight right around there I think uh I can't remember off the top of my head, but Brighton and Burnley have something like 10 and 11 points. So it's those four teams that are looking like the uh, the group that are going to be trying to get out of there, get out of that, that relegation zone. All right, match week four. Sorry, match week 14 picks. Let's get right into it. Uh, before we get started, um, Bones gained another match on me last week. It was a... High drama in the text trying to figure out who picked what. Turns out I'm an idiot and um, I don't know how to count. So Bones is now up seven on me. All right. First match of the weekend, we got Crystal Palace versus Liverpool. What do you got, Bones? I got Liverpool 3-2. Oh, man, me too. That was exactly what I wrote down. Yeah. Yeah. And just for all the listeners or the seven listeners, whatever it may be, that was not staged, we promise. Yeah. 
no, we normally disagree. So I'm guessing the thought process is Liverpool's the better team, but Crystal Palace can score goals. So Yep, and it's going to be a pretty high-octane match. And yep. maybe the match to watch, honestly. Ooh, interesting. All right, next one, Southampton versus Manchester City. I'm going to go draw, 2-2. Two, two. I think City still has some issues to work out. I'm going draw 1-1. One, one. Huh. Yeah. This is strange. Yep. Everton versus Arsenal. Everton 1-0. Ooh, I got Everton 3-1. Hmm. Yep. Newcastle versus Fulham. Newcastle 2-1. Wow. <laughs> First of all, I was surprised you didn't pick your boys Fulham. Uh, <laughs> I actually I wrote down Newcastle 2-1 as well. Hmm. Okay. Sunday matches, we got Brighton versus Sheffield. Brighton 1-0. I got Brighton 2-0. Ooh. There's not going to be a ton of movement this week uh, there, Trev. No. Well, they well, still got some far. matches coming up. I know where we're going to disagree for sure. All right, Ooh. Tottenham versus Leicester. Tottenham 2-1. I got Tottenham 2-0. Okay. Manchester United versus Leeds. This is I'm it. going United 3-2. What? Yeah. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Are you serious? <laughs> um, you told me last week you were going to go with Leeds. Well, I changed my mind. I mean, you know, I've got a week to think about it. Yeah. Well, that's smart. And I actually... <laughs> <laughs> that's smart. All right. I have United 3-2 as well. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. This is pretty wild. Uh, West Brom versus Aston Villa. Villa 1-0. I got Villa 2-1. Okay. Monday, we got Burnley versus Wolves. Wolves 1-0. I got Wolves 2-1. Okay. This is not exciting. No. <laughs> okay. Chelsea versus West Ham. Chelsea 1-0. Okay. Finally, we got one we can differ on. I got Chelsea, West Ham, draw 1-1. One, one. Wow. Right, that's, that's the one we're, uh, we're going to differ on. <sighs> We might have to rethink a couple of these and, and shake it out to, to make at least it, it a little bit interesting. Well, I know I'm right, so, I mean, you can change them if you want. Well, you, you do know that I went first in all these. How do I know that you weren't just following? Because I need to make up ground. Yeah, so you're going with the guy that knows what he's talking about. I can't make up ground <laughs> with you if I'm saying the exact same thing as you. Well, unless you knew that I would, that would then be, say... That would be a really bad strategy, just so you know. True, but unless you thought that, hey, Tim's a good guy, he's going to want to make this interesting, he's going to change his picks. He's going to have mercy on me and therefore change his picks. Uh, I can tell you that's not my thought process. Yeah, All right. Well. Finishing up the episode, we got the trivia answer. Bones, what's your guess? Let me... It wasn't that long ago I read it off, but I'll do it again. The record for the most... Goal contributions, goals and assists in a single Premier League season is held by Thierry Henry in the 2002-2003 campaign. How many goal contributions did he have? 35. Wrong. <laughs> Was I close? Not really. Like, not mm. that bad, but you got it wrong. Uh, 44. 24 goals and 20 assists. Hmm. Yep, yep. Um, I think actually... That was the thing with Messi last year. Everyone said he had a down year, uh, but I think he's the second player ever 
in a domestic league to score 20 goals and have 20 assists as well. Um, I think he had 22 and 20 last year, which is, it was a down year for Messi. Yeah, but everybody knows nobody plays defense in La Liga, so. It's a fair point. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I don't have any, I don't know how to sign off on these things yet, but, you know, we appreciate you guys listening. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get a little smoother with it. Okay, the, bye. The outro. Oh, yeah. Okay. Keb, 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 bye.